Today on the Arts Report, we're going to have some Halloween music. <laughs> we're not. Da-da-da. All right, today on the Arts Report, a haunted house tour that goes to hell and back. The Vancouver Horror Convention takes over Main Street. Theater Sports League invites you to bite me. Dr. Egg searches for an ear at the Colch. 30 live music at the Forum. Go Ballet. Rick Henson's Chinese adventure in Heart of a Dragon, plus a house party in an 8x8x8 cube. And, of course, we're giving away tickets to the bloody Beat Roots and to Bodie Jones, so stay with us. All right, we're, we don't have any music, all right? It's Halloween, and we tried to have some, some different theme music than the regular stuff, and it just didn't work out, okay? So, look, everyone makes mistakes. It's, it's really it's rude to make fun, all right? So just, so just please be quiet. All right, um, despite that, that uh, embarrassing error, we actually have a really exciting uh, program for you. And uh, there's tons of stuff, uh, if you heard any of what I just listed. It's, uh, there's a lot on the program. Um, so you're listening to The Arts Report, and it's September 27th, and you're listening to us on CITR 101.9 FM, or perhaps on CITR.ca, which is the live stream. Uh, my name is Adam Yanush, and, um, and I've had a lot of coffee today. I've had a lot of coffee, and I'm feeling really jazzed, and I'm really excited to do a show for you. So um, I don't have a Halloween costume just yet, which is sad for me. Um, I'm thinking I might go as a nerd. But that's kind of boring, and if I go as a ghost, that's really boring. And uh, if I go, as a friend of mine suggested today, by uh, just dunking a, p- uh, a bunch of fake blood on myself, that'll be really, really boring. So I don't know. I don't know. I've had some, I've had some good ones over the years. I was, um, I was a cow uh, when I was about 12. That's right. I've had a big cow suit, and um, that was a good uh, candy haul that year. I also went as, a, as an ecstasy pill uh, a few years back, which was a big hit because I went to a rave that year. Um, the police were not too, too impressed, but they didn't tear it apart looking for an E inside, which, you know, you have to admit is plausible. You know, if I'm a big cap of E, I might be filled with more E, but um, that was not the case. Um, but this year, I don't know. I really, I really don't know. Um, so... All right, so we're going to take uh, a short break, but after we do, let me tell you some of the great things we'll have. Uh, we'll be talking about a haunted house tour. It's called To Hell and Back, and this is by the folks who do the In the House Festival. So they do a festival where they take over houses in Vancouver and do a big festival of theater in there. So naturally it fits because the haunted house takes place in a house, so they're doing that, and it was wildly popular last year, so they'll do that again. And, um, and there's a great show called Dr. Egg and the Man with No Ear, and that's playing at the Colch. And that's vaguely, it's not really Halloween-related per se, but it has kind of vaguely uh, Frankensteinian um, elements. And, um, and we have much, much more. But first, uh, we're going to take a short break, so stay with us. Beetroot Magazine and WinnieCooper.net present Heebie-Jeebies, a month-long weekly art show and music series appearing every Thursday in October at 7 p.m. at the Chapel Arts. Thursday, October 28th. Come enjoy the artwork of Crumbs and Kaput while grooving to the tunes of Raccoons and Double Dragon. Plus, DJ Bobby Shadat from MT40. Cover by donation. October 30th, don't miss the Heebie-Jeebies finale party with Love and Electric and Peter Breeze, plus the Winnie Cooper DJs Hunk the Drunk, Christian Flores, and Maxwell Maxwell. Be sure to check out Heebie-Jeebies, a potent cocktail of art and music every Thursday in October at the Chapel Arts, presented by Beetroot Magazine and WinnieCooper.net. 
And we are back on the Arts Report. So first up on the docket, we have a haunted house tour. And it's called To Helen Back. An eccentric hostess by the name of Helen Beck will take daring participants on a haunted house tour to hell and back. In the house is bringing back last year's infamous hit. And here's Miriam Steinberg answering whether it's essentially a haunted house. It is a haunted house. Um, but what's really special about it is that every room that the audience goes into has a live performance in it. So we have a tour guide that takes them through the house and um, they get to see music, burlesque, theater, dance, um, and it's all creepy and it's all um, beautiful and magical and it follows a, a, a storyline of a really eccentric, crazy old lady who has traveled the world but also traveled the underworlds of the world. Is this Helen Beck? It is, yeah. Now tell us, who is Helen Beck? Ah, that you'll <laughs> discover when you're at the show. But essentially, Helen Beck is this 95-year-old lady who um, is quite dangerously eccentric mm -hmm. and is a grand voyageuse. Mm -hmm. And not only, like I said, she's traveled the world, but she's visited different hells from different cultures, and she's brought back artifacts and characters from those different hells. Mm -hmm. so, so how do get people get tickets for this? Uh, so people have to pre-register and prepay for the tickets like that. They can choose the tour time because they're very strict assigned tour times. And the way they do that is um, either go on PayPal, which is on our website at www.inthehousefestival.com, mm -hmm. or they can email me at info at inthehousefestival.com if they don't like using PayPal, and then we can um, do the transaction that way. And then they would just register for their tour, choose their tour time and tour date, and there you go. Great. Now, is this the, the second year that this is uh, taking place? It is, yeah. And our first year completely sold out. So, um, and to rave reviews. Mm -hmm. so, so if people really want their tickets, they should get them soon because tickets are going pretty fast. Now, and without getting into it, um, is it very similar to last year or have there been some tweaks and improvements? Well, it's a different house, for mm -hmm. one. It's a different, totally different storyline. Okay. Um, so if you were wowed and scared from last tour, um, we have some of the same actors, but we also have a whole slew of new actors and new performers and circus artists, and um, so it'll be something completely different from last year. So if you've seen it before, be prepared to be completely uh, freaked out and you. Exactly. Exactly. All right, well, thanks very much for telling us about it. All right, thank you. To Helen Beck, the phantasmagorical adventures of Helen Beck is on October the 30th and the f 31st. The first tour leaves at 6.30 p.m. There are tours leaving every 30 minutes until 10. Please arrive at least 15 minutes before your tour to make sure you don't miss your turn. This is taking place at uh, 1495 Wall Street, which is near the PNE, just north of McGill Street. And tickets are $30 uh, for members and students, $35 for adults. Now, as you heard, you must get your tickets uh, beforehand, so go to inthehousefestival.com. And, uh, and get more information there. So we're going to roll right along and do the horror convention, which is at Planet Bingo. Horror lovers and other freaky arts enthusiasts have had to go to Seattle to get their convention fix. Until now, that is. Bad Bird Events has created the Vancouver Horror Convention, which will feature gory makeup contests, prizes for best costumes, horror film screenings, gore burlesque or gore-lesque, and more. 
Here's Raeen Naragi of Bad Bird Events explaining where the idea came from. Well, this is going to be the first uh, hard convention taking place in Vancouver. We've never had one before. Uh, what we realized, me and my partner, Robert Privet, we realized that there's a huge subculture in the city that follows uh, horror films, horror, uh, horror parties, and so much more. And we realized there's no really main area, no common platform for all these uh, horror fanatics, horror mm -hmm. uh, goers to reside in. So, and we realized that the closest thing Vancouver has to a horror convention is the Crypticon that happens at, in Seattle. And I think it is the month of May, mm -hmm. April, May. And we realized that it would be a perfect opportunity to create this platform and get everyone together so they can network and just see a lot of wicked stuff. Give me a sense of what people will see and hear. It's going to be a gong show. Well, it's going to be a crazy event. It's, there's a mixture of uh, vendors for to sell horrific uh, art or uh, jewelry or comics to the public. There will be uh, a live DJ, which is hosted. It will be the Vampire's Ball. I'm sorry, she DJ Drake. DJ Drake from CITR who does Vampire's Ball. Don't mm -hmm. know the time for that show. Maybe you can help me out with that later on. Mm -hmm. But she'll be DJing the event. There will be two feature film screenings with shorts, uh, show, bloody shorts shown in between. Uh, there will be... Try to dress up in your craziest costume because there will be performers interacting with the crowds and clown, horror, horrific clowns and uh, bloody gorgolesque people interacting amongst the crowd. So we're looking to make it as a, a huge interactive just awesome piece mm -hmm. uh there's going to be a makeup contest yes there's going to be a makeup contest between all local uh makeup artists that uh have signed on from different schools from Lash mcdonald to new image entertainment okay new image entertainment is co-sponsoring the event uh the first prize of the contest will be the infamous dr frankenstein award and a main street shopping spree of equivalent value of two hundred dollars and uh, second, third, and fourth prize coming down the list uh, will be prizes offered by New Image Entertainment. Uh, for more information on that, you can check on the website to see what the exact prizes are. And who is hosting? The event will be hosted by Miss Gory Ray, whom many know as many know as the Queen of Horror for Vancouver. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for having me, Adam. scary something scary happened in that clip it perhaps it was possessed by monsters and that's why i have to apologize for the weird audio there it was ghouls that took it over okay see now the music works okay this is good this is good all right we can we can fade that down um okay <laughs> so um yeah we're surviving here despite uh, being accursed um and that was uh ryan naragi of uh, Bad Bird Events, and if you want to check out the horror convention, it's coming on Sunday, October 31st, Halloween itself, and will be running from noon until 6 p.m. at Planet Bingo, which is 2655 Main Street, just south of Main and Broadway. This is a 19-plus event, and you can get uh, tickets for um, a, a very small $5, a very minute amount of $5, and they can be purchased at the door. 
All right, so we're going to take a break, and uh, when we return, we'll tell you about uh, Bite Me, which is an improv show happening at the Improv Center on Granville Island, and we'll also come closer to giving away tickets to the Bloody Beat Roots and as well tickets to uh, 30 Live, which is a live music show that's happening tomorrow. And not only will we give you tickets to 30 Live, but we'll also give you a thir- uh, sorry, $50 booze tab. So you can spend 50 bucks and get hammed at, uh, at 30 Live tomorrow, which is very exciting. So um, stick with us. Beetroot Magazine and WinnieCooper.net present Heebie-Jeebies, a month-long weekly art show and music series appearing every Thursday in October at 7 p.m. at the Chapel Arts. Thursday, October 28th. Come enjoy the artwork of Crumbs and Kaput while grooving to the tunes of Raccoons and Double Dragon. Plus, DJ Bobby Shadat from MT40. Cover by donation. October 30th, don't miss the Heebie-Jeebies finale party with Love and Electric and Peter Breeze, plus the Winnie Cooper DJs Hunk the Drunk, Christian Flores, and Maxwell Maxwell. Be sure to check out Heebie-Jeebies, a potent cocktail of art and music every Thursday in October at the Chapel Arts. Presented by Beetroot Magazine and WinnieCooper.net. Two teams, vampires and werewolves, duke it out for improv supremacy at the Vancouver Theatre Sports League. I spoke to Executive Director Jay Ono if they just make fun of Twilight for an hour, because that would be easy. The answer is no, by the way. But I started by asking him how they blend the Halloween theme with an improv competition. Well, that's a great thing about improv and theater sports. Everything we do, um, we can be quite flexible. So um, basically we wanted to kind of, you know, with the, the fall season and kind of horror and vampires and werewolves being such a hot thing, we thought, you know, why not kind of create a situation where you'd have uh, team vampires versus team werewolves? <laughs> so basically at the beginning of the show, it's set up by uh, Dracula that uh, there's a mere mortal in the audience and um, two of the, the key people from each brood, one from the vampires, one from uh, the werewolves, go head-to-head to play for the, uh, the girl. Mm-hmm. Like in any great show. Like in any great show, it's a battle for, for a girl. And um, what are you seeing uh, so far? Who's winning? Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it depends who's playing on, on, on what uh, team. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, the actor's having a lot of fun with it. You know, they take on the characteristics of a werewolf or a vampire, and they play it for the whole show. Mm-hmm. And it, it does, um, if uh, people are aware much about the inner workings of improv, it does kind of affect the choices that they make. And, and uh, they're having a lot of fun with it. Every time I propose an idea to them, part of it's always like, oh, really? Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> So um, this one didn't take a lot of convincing, but they're always skeptical off the start. But uh, the crowd seemed to be really liking it, and, uh, yeah, the materials, the promotional stuff looks great. So now, a lot of good feedback. speaking of the material, um, do I detect a, a bit of uh, Twilight satire? Well, we didn't. <laughs> that was one of the things we looked at doing. Um, certainly Twilight, you know, uh, helps in terms of uh, just promoting the theme. We did really want to kind of stay away from, you know, promoting it as a Twilight parody mm-hmm. um, because that's not what it is. So we just wanted to make that very clear to the audience. Okay. Um, just in terms of themes, I mean, you know, it just kind of plays off the themes of, you know, vampires, but we didn't want to do a Twilight parody. It must be tough because there's so much material in Twilight. 
Yeah, it's so you bad. Know, when when we do parodies, they're more thought out. You know, this one, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really entertaining. It's really funny. People will come and laugh their, you know, laugh their butts off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a Twilight parody. Okay. Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, it's not just Twilight, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of like a cultural zeitgeist nowadays of, of you know, there's there's also uh, True Blood and and there's um and then zombies are extremely popular too what do you what do you think uh, you know it seems like you guys are sort of tapping into a cultural theme what what do you think explains the uh people's obsession with things like vampires um i don't know i mean it seems to be this kind of niche kind of community that you know just kind of gloms on to stuff like that and uh i know when we do research you know a lot of the actors kind of looked at look at the twilight series as kind of research and all that you kind of word sometimes you're surprised what kind of really kind of takes root in pulp culture um we don't have a clue why it's so popular <laughs> we just know it's really popular and the demand is there mm-hmm. um i think it's you know the fact that it's mystical and and uh, you know it's the same kind of i think not not the exact same people, but the same kind of effect that, you know, how people get into, you know, when we did Lord of the Things, there was a huge mm-hmm. following of people into that genre. Um, um, yeah, so every time we kind of do a theme show, when we did Shakespeare, I mean, there was a whole kind of, you know, a lot of kind of fans of Shakespeare that kind of, you know, came out to see the show that don't normally come to an improv show. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice way to kind of cross market and try to find a new audience for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for uh, telling us about it, and it sounds like a good thing to do uh, for Halloween. Yeah, it's a great time. Yeah, come on down. Bite Me is running now until November the 15th, and it starts at 7.30, and this all takes place at the Improv Center, which is located on Granville Island, and uh, tickets for Thursday's show are nine ninety nine. Uh, $7.99 for students, and for the Friday and Saturday shows, tickets are $19.99, $15.99 for students. If you want to get more information or buy tickets online, the website is www.vtsl.com, as in Vancouver Theatre Sports League, vtsl.com. All right, moving right along, uh, we have Dr. Egg and the Man with No Ear. Director Jessica Wilson has toured Australia and the U.S. with Dr. Egg and the Man with No Ear. A fable about a girl who gets involved with a brilliant scientist to help her father regain his ear after an unfortunate accident. What results is unexpected, weird, and offers food for thought. Uh, We had a conversation earlier today, that is, uh, myself and Jessica Wilson, about the beautiful use of puppetry and gadgetry and other whimsical-type elements in her show, as well as about how a play that touches on themes of uh, human cloning, uh, stem cell research, and sort of the the limits of, of science, how that was received in the conservative U.S. of A. But I started by asking, why go the extra mile of using uh, puppets and projections and other such accoutrements? Um, I guess for me, making theatre is about is just about going that extra mile, really. And um, for me, because I'm not, not really a text-based director and I'm inspired by visual narratives, narratives that are, that are, that are um, communicated through imagery and... Um, particularly to atmosphere this is something I just love playing with creating atmosphere on stage so people have said of of my work that it's like watching a film but being in it and so 
I, I love um, being able to really create a three-dimensional live um, experience that is um, kind of almost tactile and, as you say, bubbling and um, reaching out from the stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now it's sort of for kids, but it's definitely for adults as well. Yeah. And I wonder how difficult was the process to sort of balance that? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, especially in relation to what you asked first. Mm -hmm. that thing of, um, I think that the atmosphere and the visuals are what make it appeal across age brackets. And the truth is, when we were making the piece, we didn't really know where it would land. We were aiming to make a piece for, for 12 and up. Um, but it ended up being remarkable in that it appeals to children as young as six. And then it's played also to general public and university audiences. Um, and, yeah, grown-ups, obviously, in the general public and, and school audiences. So because there's a, there's a really strong visual narrative, and it, as I said before, it works in imagery, um, children can kind of latch into the, the very simple story that's told, and the imagery is quite quick. It's almost, it's almost cartoon style. Mm -hmm. um, so they're able to remain engaged and follow the, the, the line of the narrative um, and then um, the grown-ups are, there's lots of layers there um, for the grown-ups in the comedy and in the thematics and um, the currency of the, um, of the content of the piece. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it is kind of remarkable and a little bit by accident <laughs> that, we managed to, um, that we've managed to test it in front of, front of lots of audiences and, and um, it's ended up appealing across that large range. Tell me a little bit about the, the themes that do resonate with uh, more mature audiences. For example, um, there's the sort of the limits of, of science is one theme. That's right, yeah. It, it's exploring, well, one of the things it explores is um, ethics in science and you know this is a very potent issue at the moment and the community um, is often very divided on this because um, moral beliefs moral ideas come into where people position themselves in terms of experimentation with stem cells and um, cloning and fertility um, and there's it's it's su there's such complex and interesting issues um, in there um, and so that that's the type of content that we're dealing with I mean as you know you, you saw the piece it's a story about a girl who um, who gives a piece of flesh to grow something for her father. I won't give it all away, but um, <laughs> she ends up creating something she didn't expect to create and then has to deal with that thing that she creates. Um, and I've lost my train of thought. Well, we're, we're talking about um, <laughs> the ethics, and and um, yeah. now you've said that... that um, you were looking forward to doing it in Canada where there's a, a sort of less conservative audience. I wonder if American audiences, um, ha has that manifested in, in, in the productions that um, you've mounted in the States where people would say, I, I don't approve of this? Um, it's, it's certainly a piece that some programmers, for example, have said, we love this, but mm -hmm. we don't think our audiences are ready for it. Wow. Um, and, and particularly in America. Um, and in the south, the kind of southern part of America, but we, it played in Chicago for seven weeks, and um, it it um, it had a, a, a very strong reception there. And there were, there was one review and one um, an academic, a science kind of academic, who um, took issue with um, 
with the portrayal of the ethics in the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I got a sense there that rather than taking the piece as a, a kind of a, just a story, because what we're trying to explore really is the humanity in all of in all of this, in all the all of the ethics and moral issues that mm-hmm. are, that are being discussed, and and it's sort of, it's we're exploring how do people, where do people sit in all of this, and what are the consequences, and how do people make decisions, and these kinds of issues. Um, now the ending doesn't easily resolve uh, the issues in the play, and I, I won't go into how that is because I don't want to spoil it. But um, I wonder why why was it important to to not give it a quick and simple wrapped up ending. I think for me, as a director, I enjoy um, leaving the audience with questions and um, not um, making it too easy for the audience. Um, and I think, I mean, we all, we all have seen movies where um, it's too, the ending's too happy or too resolved. And I wanted to create a complex situation where um, issues, are, um, issues and, and story um, are kind of reach a peak and where, the, where there's a clarity around what the problem is. And then I wanted to leave that with the audience to, um, to consider. Mm-hmm. But, also, but at the same time, be able to resolve things drama- you know, dramatically so, so that we're not just left totally lingering, but we do feel like we've been on a journey that's had a peak and, you know, and, and, um, and resolved in some way. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the challenge. And I think that's what the piece does well. It stimulates the audience visually and sonically and... Um, atmospherically mm-hmm. and also intellectually. Mm-hmm. A little something for everybody. Yes, that's what we hope for. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much for telling us about it and um, break legs for the rest of the run here in Vancouver. Thanks. And that's Jessica Wilson, who uh, was suffering through a bit of a cold um, here in Vancouver. And who can blame her? The weather sucks. Uh, I'm feeling pretty, pretty not so... Well, I'm feeling great now because I'm all jazzed up on, uh, on caffeine. But, uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, dreary, dreary weather. I can't pronounce things apparently either. All right, I'll just shut up and uh, tell you about the Dr. Egg and the Man with No Ear, which is playing until November the 6th at The Culch. And um, you can get uh, more information about specific shows because there are a few matinees. There's a, there's a talkback. And, uh, and different uh, different showtimes and different experiences that you can uh, you can take on for this show. Um, tickets range uh, from well, they range from five dollars to twenty eight dollars. Five dollars for youth under uh, age nineteen. There's a fifteen dollar price for ages twenty and up. So uh, two kinds of student rates. And uh, single tickets are twenty eight dollars. Subscriber tickets are twenty four. Go to theculch.com for more information, or you can go to citr.ca right now and find um, information on all the features that we have on today's show and the appropriate links to the appropriate pages for ticket buying or info getting. All right, so we're gonna take a break now and uh, get your dialing fingers ready because when we return, we're gonna be doing two massive ticket giveaways that are worth millions of dollars. Okay, maybe not millions, but uh, but hundreds. And uh, th- those will include the Bloody Beetroots, which are coming to Vancouver on November the 5th, and uh, tickets to uh, 30 Live, which will include the Autumn Portrait, Bodie Jones, and Silent Spring, and that's tomorrow night at the Forum on uh, Granville, on Granville Street. And we'll not only give you tickets to that show, but we'll also give you a $50 bar tab, which is pretty, pretty awesome. So stay with us. On the dark, there's a highway. 
Stop for a night with the King of Pop, Andy. Andy is coming to Vancouver, Chan Center, UBC, Saturday, October 30th. Come for the biggest Halloween event this Saturday night. Bring your colorful dreams and diverse identities in any costume to Chan Center for a night of bilingual music and dance with legendary Andy Madarian, who is coming to celebrate multiculturalism in our Vancouver community. Check it out at chancenter.com. And there you just heard about another Halloween event this Saturday at the Chan. Um, all right, so 30 Live. 30 Live is Vancouver's newest live music series at the Forum Sports Bar. They've been around for a few months now and have featured such bands as Artvark Robinson, who I saw at the Forum uh, a few weeks ago, and it was definitely a standout performance that I enjoyed immensely, even though I'm not uh, a rock rocker by any stretch. I'm a huge nerd, and I like to, um, to, to sit in my seat and not be bombarded with loud music, but even I enjoyed uh, Artvark Robinson and, uh, and all the kids who were rocking out on the dance floor. Anyway, tomorrow they're featuring uh, Bodie Jones, who's a finalist in the Peak Performance Project. Arts Report correspondent Nick Sartori caught up with 30 Live promoter Dan Tanner and asked him how things are going. Well, our two Friday night launch nights had over 300 people each at. Um, they were very, very good. And then we started our Thursday residency on the 7th of October. Uh, we're getting sort of the worst we're getting is around 150 people, the best sort of 2 250. So there's definitely, uh, we've definitely got an attachment on the on the Granville audience now. Um, we're just uh, we're just booking hard now. We're booking into January 2011. We've got Thursday dates all the way up to our Christmas party on December 16th. Um, halfway through booking January now. Maybe looking at taking on a, a second venue in the new year. And, uh, and we've just, uh, just secured three partnerships. We have a partnership with Jack Daniels now, um, one with Granville Island Brewery, and one with, uh, one with yourselves, CITR, who are our official media partner, which we're very, very proud to say. Awesome. Us too. Um, so this week we've got uh, Silent Spring, Bodie Jones, and The Autumn Portrait, uh, and it's their new uh, album, The Design Is Over, uh, coming out. So tell us a little bit about those three bands. Well, the Autumn Portrait have been around for, for a while now. Um, Freddie Lee Singer's uh, a good buddy of mine. They're, uh, they're actually on tour at the moment with... Uh, uh, they're actually, well, actually on their own tour at the moment, and Bo I think Bodie Jones has played with them a couple of times on their tour. Um, they're stopping off here on Thursday the 28th. Um, Bodie Jones will find out on November the 1st if he's one of the top five finalists in the Peak Performance Project, so uh, this run-up for him is quite a big deal. And, uh, and Silent Spring are a local band that uh, not many people have heard of, but uh, they're kind of an unknown force. Their, their music's amazing, fairly strong. They just uh, need a few more high-profile gigs to get them out there. Cool. Right on. And uh, so 30 Live is obviously, as we've talked about before, sort of focused on Vancouver music and promoting Vancouver bands. How are you finding the bands uh, are responding to the, you know, to, to the series so far? Well, we find our, our community feel is growing um, every every event that we do. And the last event that we had um, with uh, with Henry and the Nightcrawlers, Young Pacific, uh, and Guilty About Girls, I had maybe between 50 or 60 um, people from local bands and the music industry here just to see what we were doing, to look at the rooms, you know, to see how the, the nights are going. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, it easily had seven or eight bands in that night came down as our guests just to see what was going on and uh, to talk to me about certain other dates. 
So it's uh, it's pulling together really well. We're getting musicians meeting each other that wouldn't ordinarily have met. Um, that way they get they they have a forum to to talk about new ideas and uh, and, and admire each other's music or, or critique each other's music and uh, have a beer together. You know, and just uh, just make a more community feel about about the music scene here. Yeah, cool. And uh, what's next for Thirty Live? You mentioned the, uh, the the Christmas show coming up. Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, we've got a show on December sixteenth, uh, featuring Free City Collective, Aardvark Robinson, and uh, Young Pacific. Um, these guys are all very hardworking bands, friends of ours. Um, we just want to have a good party. Um, we're doing it in association, obviously, with all our partners, and uh, more importantly, with the Vancouver Food Bank. Uh, we're going to make it a condition of entry on the night that everyone brings a non-perishable food item and then deliver that to them the next day so uh, so that we're giving something back at Christmas uh, as well as having a having a fantastic party. So. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> That was uh, Dan Tanner, and what you hear behind you is uh, Bodie Jones. Hi. All right, folks, it is the time now to give away tickets. So if your dialing fingers are ready, um, you can start dialing. So uh, first off, we're going to give away the Bloody Beat Roots, and, uh, and then afterwards, the next, uh, the next in line, we'll get, um, we'll get tickets to Bodie, to Bodie Jones. Sorry, I'm laughing because the, the phone is already, has already lit up. Uh, the number is 604-822-2487. That's 604-822-2487. Call now, and you'll definitely get something. show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor if you're a tough customer only the taste of this radio show will do so go ahead let dunkin donuts make your radio experience exquisite indeed <laughs> dunkin's donuts serving sweet treats from the pop underground thursdays noon to one All right, congratulations to Joel Scott, who got the tickets and the 
bar tab to 30 live tomorrow night at the forum sports bar on granville and nelson streets and also congratulations to melinda who got the bloody beat root tickets and uh she was a quick dialer i tell you all right now discover dance is a sort of open house series presented by the Scotiabank Dance Centre, and it brings in the best dance companies in BC to showcase their craft to the public. The next one is tomorrow at noon, and it's featuring Go Ballet, a world-renowned company founded by Chu Chiat Go and Lin Yi Go, and is now under the direction of Chan Han Go, former prima ballerina of the National Ballet of Canada, who told me about the showcase and about the key to dance excellence. You know, I think the, the formula for success, um, you know, comes in many layers and there isn't one particular one, but for us, I know that there's a lot of dedication and hard work that goes um, throughout uh, the faculty and the um, staff that um, run the youth ballet company program. Um, so with that in mind, our teachers come from all over the world, um, and uh, so they share uh, various knowledge um, from various styles and uh, technical requirements to um, the ability to choreograph on our dancers and mm -hmm. give them that um, opportunity of um, creating a work uh, with the choreographer. Um, and, you know, um, all of the artistic staff here have a very high standards. In fact, um, uh, many of them um, are award-winning, um, recognized for their teaching ability and coaching ability at various, um, you know, arts festivals and competitions. Mm -hmm. So we're very fortunate um, to have been able to recruit them here um, and to have them here teaching our dancers in Vancouver. I wonder if part of it also is that international element because depending on on what country the the teacher is from it, it there's a certain difference in in style is there not like between you know Russia or China and, and France is yes yes you are right um, they come and you know we um, we set a curriculum out for our program, um, and the curriculum um, differs a bit depending on what level and what age um, the dancers are when they come and train with us. Um, so although the teachers have various backgrounds, they do then um, assimilate and um, teach the Go Ballet curriculum so that everybody has um, a similar voice but different delivery. Mm -hmm. So tell me what people can expect from the Discover Dance um, event coming up. Um, well, the Go Ballet is very excited um, to be able to share this uh, noon hour with um, ballet and suits or just anybody who is um, curious about um, the, what uh, we're all about and what our programming is about. So. What we will be showcasing is um, a varied sampling of our repertoire, ranging from the pure classical um, pas de deux and solo works to group pieces that um, were choreographed as part of our um, uh, spring showcase last year. Um, and then um, something quite unique as well is that um, we like to um, reflect the diversity that is um, within our community. So um, you will see um, 
repertoire from um, the Chinese classical dance, um, the divertissement from um, the Nutcracker, which reflects the Arabian, um, and um, another piece uh, from Raymonda, which um, reflects demi-character, uh, and then there is a Spanish piece as well. So um, it's really going to be a jam-packed show, um, you know, where the audience will, will see a bit of everything, and um, it's an introduction to what we do. Great, and you don't have to be a, a prima ballerina to, uh, to attend? No, you certainly don't. In fact, um, we would love to have this opportunity to introduce everybody to um, ballet and mm -hmm. dance and uh, to have you then share some time, and there's going to be a question-answer period at the, at the end. Great. Well, we look forward to it. Thanks uh, so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. That was Chan Hon Go, who is bringing Go Ballet to Discover Dance at the Scotiabank Dance Centre tomorrow at noon. That's tomorrow, uh, Thursday, October 28th. And um, tickets are $10, $8 for students, seniors, and children. You can get them from Tickets Tonight, tickets-tonight.ca. And again, if you go to our website, citr.ca, you'll, uh, you'll get all the appropriate links uh, there for this story and, uh, and all the other stories as well. All right, moving on to Heart of a Dragon. Now, this is a really, this is a really interesting story. And, uh, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Listen. At the 2010 Olympic Games opening ceremony, Rick Hansen helped light the torch. But in 1985, he left Oak Ridge Mall here in Vancouver on a world tour in his wheelchair, including across the Great Wall of China, doing uh, the equivalent of two marathons every day. He was inspired by Terry Fox's run five years earlier. Now, a new film called Heart of a Dragon chronicles his journey through China, directed by Michael French, who went with Hansen as a documentary filmmaker uh, 25 years ago and obviously knows the subject extensively. Uh, I spoke to actress Sarah Jane Potts, who plays his physical therapist and eventually his wife, Amanda Reed. And... Um, and uh, what did I what did I ask her? Oh right, I asked her how many days they were filming um, in China. How many how many days it took to film the entire film? And here's her answer. Fourteen. Now, f how did you manage to do a <laughs> film in fourteen? How is that even possible? Because uh, I mean, we made uh, it possible. Well, that's we a had to do. We had no choice. Well, that's a feat like building the Great Wall, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, maybe a little bit smaller, but, uh, <laughs> but we, we were lucky because it, it was August, so it was very hot, so we had a very long period of daylight, and they took complete advantage of that. I mean, it wouldn't be uncommon for us to do, be doing, like, 14-hour days. Wow. Um, so we were all pretty exhausted, everyone, crew and cast alike. No kidding. Um, which I think was great because I think it added to it because, you know, when, when, when we start this movie, the, the real team, the Man in Motion team, were 500 days, I think, into their tour. Oh, wow. So they were all exhausted, right. mentally and physically. So, it was like so I think it was a good, yeah, I think it was a good thing. Um, I think it's very difficult to turn up in the morning when you're when you've been pampered the night before and you've had a nice meal and a really good yeah. sleep to play somebody that's exhausted and and just needs to stop. It's much more of a stretch of the imagination to actually be like, no, I am knackered. Actually, this is going to be really easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and let me ask you about the part that you play. It's, it's her name is Amanda Reed. Reed. Amanda yeah, Reed, uh, and she started out as Rick Hansen's physiotherapist. She's his physical therapist. Physical therapist, yeah. and then became his wife. Yeah, and they had three children. And they had three children. So tell me about, um, you know, what did you learn by playing her, and and what you know what is unique about this woman? 
Oh, there are so many things. Yeah. She's she's an amazingly driven woman. She's very strong. She was obviously very, very, very good at her job. Um, very professional. Completely passionate about what she believes in. Crazy good organizer. I mean, she must have been to keep those all together on that tour. But everything that she organized and everything that she had to deal with. But I think predominantly she was a woman that was in love with a man that she wasn't allowed to be in love with at that time because she was solely really there to keep him sane and to keep him alive wow. which is a huge responsibility I mean she says in the film I don't I don't like playing God and he's like well that's why you're here mm. you know and I, that's a huge responsibility and that was obviously very attractive to to play as well as to take on board that this woman did this and that she accomplished this mm -hmm. and was so torn at the same time with not being able to love him the way she wanted to love him yeah. you know so and did you get a chance to sort of uh, follow her around shadow her or, or no we didn't think it was necessary because yeah. we're not you know we're not making a biopic we didn't make a documentary where uh, we're showing you a story that's based on real events inspired by real events that happened so it's not like i need to look like her or sound like her or be her i'm just using the things that she did as a way of um elaborating to an audience this journey that they went on so i didn't we didn't need to do that because mm. if it was more of a documentary style where then, then yes it would have been necessary to do that but it wasn't i wasn't doing an impression of her yeah um, I was just trying to tell her story, mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have to be her. I got creative license to add to add my own things mm -hmm. to that character. And have you had a yeah. chance to meet her, by the way? No, I'd be a bit scared <laughs> to be honest. What do you say? <laughs> Hello, I'm Sarah Jane. I just played you. I just played you. Yeah. She'd be like, I didn't like it, and you'd be gutted, <laughs> wouldn't you? Like, oh no, that's crap. That's fine. And I understand your brother is in the film. He is. How did that happen? He plays Don. I well, when I met Michael, and he was interested in me playing Amanda. We talked a great deal, and the thing that he used to talk about was, obviously, they were together on this tour for two years. So if you imagine being with the same people 24/7 wow. for two, they couldn't get away from each other, even if they wanted to, they couldn't. Yeah. Especially when. They so 24 hours a day for two years, you develop this unspoken dialogue between you, and they know what's going on a lot of the times before you even know it. And I just. She's very close to Don, and uh, like I said, where we start off in this journey of them being 500 days into the tour, I just thought it'd be very interesting if he looked at my brother, because they're very close in real life. We've worked together before, and we have that unspoken dialogue. Mm. We just, we get each other before we even need to say anything. And I thought that might be an element that was quite interesting. And I mentioned him to Michael, and Michael went off and checked him out and looked at his work and stuff, and they had conversations, and I think he read for it, and that was that, yeah. Mm. So you're a good agent. <laughs> yeah, I should have taken commission. Shouldn't yeah. I have missed a trick there? Yeah, Can't believe it. Yeah. Did you know about the Rick Hansen story before this, coming from England? No. Probably not. No. Um, do you think, you know, what, do you think this is a story that is um, valuable to, to see and hear outside of Canada? Absolutely. Because it's not, it's not just a story about a man that pushed himself around the world in a wheelchair. It's not a story about disability. It's, it's a story about overcoming adversity. It's a story about love and about friendship and about trust and about fundamentally knowing that nobody is an island. Everybody needs help in some way, regardless of whether they have a disability or not. And I hope that it's empowering for people to see this because 
you can do anything. Saying something's impossible is a label that you put on it yourself, and then you limit yourself to what you can do. You look at the Great Wall of China, and it was built by men. You look at Rick Hansen, and he pushed himself in a wheelchair across 34 countries of the world. Everything's possible, and I hope that I hope that maybe some people try and reach out for what they think they maybe couldn't do. I think that maybe they can, because you never know. Thanks very much. Thank you. And that was Sarah Jane Potts. And the reason I was all excited at the at the beginning of uh, of this segment was uh, I wanted to tell you about uh, Sarah Jane told me how uh, Rick Hansen, because he was a paraplegic, apparently when you're in that um, state, you your your body doesn't regulate heat the same way as an able-bodied person. So basically, he was always overheating. And they would have to stop, you know, doing his, his marathon, they would have to stop every once in a while and put ice bags on him to cool him down. But sometimes he would just get, you know, get going so much that he wouldn't want to stop. And what happened is that he would go into basically a seizure. And the whole time, Amanda Reed, who was his, uh, his physical therapist, ha her responsibility was to not kill him and, and not allow him to kill himself. And just imagine the, the responsibility this woman felt as this man is going across the world, you know, for, for um, spinal cord research. And, and he's being completely reckless. And, but anyway, they got married afterwards, so I guess uh, she didn't hold uh, too much of a grudge for what he did. Anyway, Heart of a Dragon opens Friday in theaters. And uh, finally, we have one more for a record number of eight features on today's Arts Report. This is truly spectacular. Mark your calendars, folks. Um, all right, Tiny Party. An art exhibit is opening Monday in the sub-gallery here at UBC. What is the art, you ask? Well, it's a party. And if you come on Monday, you're the art, too. Uh, Brendan Albano has made an 8 by 8 by 8 cube that mimics aspects of a house party complete with music, a DJ, a couch, even a makeout closet all inside the sub-gallery. And of course, partiers, that's the part you come in. So um, here I spoke with uh, Brendan Albano, and, um, and he told me where this event came from. Yes. All right, you are the organization. I am the organization. All right, so I'm here with Brendan Albano, who is putting on something called Tiny Parties. Hello. Hello. So first of all, how, how did this come about? Um, I guess I've had an interest in social interaction in my art for a while and was thinking about way, things that change the rules of social interactions, mm -hmm. such as when you're at a party and if you have a beer in your hand, you're allowed to act different, sort of. Mm -hmm. um, and also that the architecture of spaces affects the way you interact. Like if you go into an art gallery, the like, clean white walls and sort of quietness, not quite like a library, but it sort of a, also imposes a way of interacting with people and moving through space. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in like colliding these different environments. So, so to what extent is this an art project and to what extent is it a party? Um, yes. <laughs> yes to both. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I think it's an art. I think it's a piece of art. I think it critically examines these things then I can blabber on about that sure. and if you agree with me and think it's an art then it's an art and if not it's still a rad party so if you're there just to make out in the make out closet that's fine too that is wildly encouraged <laughs> yeah a-okay and give me a, give me an idea of what it looks like at the event like when I show up will it be like a like a glass cube or what um, the like? cube is going to be made out of wood mm -hmm. um, it's made out of um, it'll look like a um, 
sort of like from the outside it will look like behind a theater set kind of mm -hmm. um it's like simple wood construction and then the inside it will be painted and look like a little room or club or something oh, and there'll okay. be a little couch and a dj and stuff mm -hmm. so the art gallery is big and white and empty and there's a little wood cube in it and obviously there's a there's a capacity limit for eight by eight by eight yeah so i guess people will be able to kind of come in and out Yes, yeah, the idea is that people will come and go, it'll probably be loud and claustrophobic and, you know, sweaty in there, so <laughs> people will go in, dance, get overwhelmed, leave, and someone new will come in. That's cool. And now, there's an opening party, but then it goes on, so will there be a tiny party every day, or how does it work? Um, yes, um, although many times during the, like, hours on Tuesday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you go in there, you might be the only person at the tiny party. It might be not that cool of a party then. So what I'm hoping is to sort of have lunchtime dance parties and encourage everyone who wants to come during the week to come between noon and one. And I'm going to try and get together to have, like, DJs from noon to one every day during the week. Mm -hmm. But the best time to come is definitely the opening night on Monday, November 1st, from 7 to 11 p.m. Because that's the big launch. That's the big launch, and that's when it's really going to function. <laughs> Great, thanks for telling me about it. Yeah, thank you. And that's Brendan Albano, and he's doing this uh, this um, art party, let's call it, uh, next week, Monday to Friday. And um, the actual... There's the scary music again. He's uh, he, They're having um, uh, an opening celebration on the Monday of, uh, of next week. And uh, it starts on Monday at 7 p.m. and goes until 11 at the AMS Art Gallery, which is in the Student Union Building here at UBC. And uh, make sure to bring your ID, as it is a, a boozy event, to be sure. Well, this is the end of our Halloween-related program. I'd like to thank you for listening and bearing with our ridiculous audio troubles at the beginning of the show. You can thank uh, the ghoulish... Um, people at Microsoft who make terrible, scary software that doesn't work on computers. Yeah, that's ghoulish. Um, before I before I go, I want to quickly tell you about a few uh, events that are happening in the next couple of days that uh, we didn't feature, such as the Arts Club Theatre Company's 11th React New Plays in Progress. Don't miss this opportunity to look behind the scenes as we prepare new works for the stage, experience live public readings, and be part of a process of some of Canada's most talented actors, directors, dramaturgs, and uh, playwrights. Um, and that's going to be on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, at the Review stage. It's open to the public. Admission by donation, so that's a good deal. And uh, you should go to the Arts Club com for more information on that let's see what else uh there's another halloween-ish event and it's called alice in nightmare land and that's uh that's the ghost train at um at uh, stanley park of course there's fright nights at the PE. um and one more uh thursday october 28th this is not quite halloween related unless uh, the, a night of music for Darfur. So it's not a Halloween event unless you think Darfur is quite scary, which it, really it is. Um, the event is called Mosaic and will feature, um, will feature uh, Sneaky Pete and They're There, 
which I'm assuming are bands. So uh, check that out as well. Sorry, this is at the Student Union Building here at UBC in the Gallery Lounge. And later tonight is the UBC Poetry Slam and live broadcast, which I will be a part of. So um, if you're anywhere near the area, come on down. If you have some poems, you can read them. This is a monthly spoken word competition. All you have to do is arrive at 8 p.m. and sign up, and you are good to go. We will broadcast the event on CITR starting at 8 p.m., so join us for that later today. That's that's it for me. I'm Adam Janusz. Thank you for listening to The Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM. Coming up next is Real to Real. <laughs>